case file number 2.9. Educational video games. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subject and the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So, Hacklo, I know that we played uh, World of Warcraft, uh, the classic edition, I think about a year ago. Was that your first introduction to WoW? To WoW, I had actually played one, uh, one or two of the previous big MMOs before WoW, so I wasn't a complete noob, but, oh, okay. but it was like, definitely bigger and more complex. Which ones have you played? I played a fair bit of, uh, of Dark Ages of Camelot. Oh, okay, okay, like the old school ones. Which is why I didn't completely suck as a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you should mention that because uh, today's story, uh, well, at least half of it, will involve hunters. So this this was not a thing in when they re they brought back classic because they Blizzard had learned from their mistakes. But um, half of the story today, we're going to be talking about uh, World of Warcraft and the raging pandemic that it had in two thousand and five. I thought it was an interesting topic because it does it does consider uh, concern a um, a bug in the programming and also. A lot of people have been looking back on this um, as to how it relates to like how COVID spread and all of that. It's also worth saying that all, that a lot of the original language we get for virus infections actually comes from the CDC. The patient zero is lifted straight from them. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's not entirely off topic for us anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this pandemic in 2005... Um, it was pretty horrible. It weakened basically anyone who caught it and it spread like wildfire. Both humans and animals could uh, spread the disease and entire cities succumbed within hours to it. And it all originated from the blood god Hakar, who resided in Zulgarub. So exact parallel between the COVID pandemic and, and, and wow. Like it came from the blood god, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure Hakar started uh, COVID as well. Yeah. We just haven't been able to find him. It was actually never intended to spill out into the main game. Uh, this was all due to a coding accident. It was a spell cast by Hakar in uh, the dungeon Zulgarub, and it did damage over time. It was a dot effect um, that could be spread among the rape group. And so they would just take uh, ticking damage, and if they were too close to each other, it would jump from one player to the other. It was just kind of a heal check during the fight. Mm -hmm. And what Blizzard did code into the game was that when players left the dungeon, this, this dot was removed from you. What they didn't realize that were hunters who have uh, pets within the game could pass this disease onto their pet and then basically uh, desummon their pet and put it back into their stable, teleport out of the instance, resummon their pet, and the pet would still have the disease on them. Aha! Uh -huh. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. I think I think it initially happened just on accident. Someone oh, yeah. despawned their pet during the fight and then resummoned it, you know. But quickly, players learned that, oh, holy crap, we can do this. 
And it just, from server to server, like that information spread like crazy, even in 2005, where, you know, there wasn't a lot of online. Um, well, I mean, in 2005, one of the things that was really, even in Dark Ages of Camelot, was that, that there was communities out there where players did spread information pretty quickly. Um, that was kind of the big difference for me between online games back before 2000 and after 2000. Yeah, I mean, even in 2005, like, um, well, before I played WoW, I was playing Final Fantasy XI, and I remember every time there was an update to that game, there, there were no patch notes at all. Mm-hmm. You just didn't know, like, the game went down for patching, the game came up, and you were like, cool, so what's new? Like, what, what went on? And it was just left to the players to find stuff. And I actually remember um, running around in Final Fantasy XI on my character into this, like, undead area where all the monsters could aggro on you um, based on either um, sound or sight and like use potions to kind of mask yourself. I was just running through these crypts of this area that no one goes into really and found a giant dragon just roaming around in this crypt that no one had discovered on my server. And eventually like people realized that they had patched in these three giant dragons <laughs> that you could kill and get this, these items from. But at the time I was like, what is this? And just like flocks of people started like showing up to like investigate. But well, then it was kind of the same thing with um yeah with WoW. The WoW did have some tools at the time. I don't think WoWhead was around in 2005, but uh, there were there were a few online uh, databases. I can't remember what exactly they were called, but you could use them to look up certain things. But anyways, um, hunters would teleport into the cities with this and um, release this upon the populace. So the, this mechanic wasn't that difficult to deal with in high-level groups if you were max level. You know, it was just kind of meant as an additional thing to watch out for during the encounter. Mm-hmm. That could, you know, just kind of tip someone over the edge and kill them if you weren't being very careful. Yeah. It was not meant to be cast on players that were not maximum level in, like, you know, pretty high-end gear at the time. And raid-ready, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this would basically instantly kill new characters or any, like, weak characters. Like, someone had just come back into the city after like leveling and you know wasn't at full health or something like that or just a crafting mule or something mm-hmm. yep exactly um so obviously some players uh began trying to heal players with the disease given you know how humanity is uh there were many players trying to help but also a sect of players actively trying to spread the disease so people would actively go get it and then try to spread it as far and wide as possible in fact a lot of players started like basically abandoning the major cities, which is the thing we saw during COVID and going out into like the smaller towns of the game. And these people trying to spread the disease would actively actively seek them out to spread it into these like smaller communities and kill off, kill off all the people too. One way around this initially people found that was if you flagged your character for PVP, meaning um, your name would go a different color and you could actually be attacked by the opposite faction non-flagged players of your own faction couldn't heal you or do anything with you so the disease could actually like that was a buffer <laughs> until the people trying to spread the disease just started flagging themselves anyways and spreading it amongst that community too um so there, there was there was really no saving you and of course it was only a matter of time before uh disease carrying super spreaders also began to just flag themselves and do it to them blizzard attempted to institute quarantine on the players base uh it was not well received though which also rings uh, very familiar yeah and eventually this all led to blizzard basically having to reset all the servers at once and fix the bug code so they just brought down the entire game uh patched it 
and brought it all at the same time. The only other time I think this has ever happened in WoW was there was another fun thing people learned where there was a Doom Lord um, uh, Kazakh in an area in WoW. And as a hunter, again, hunters, you could go and uh, hit this guy and basically kite him into the city. And what he did was he um, cast an AoE magical ranged attack everyone around him and the other gimmick to him was that when he killed someone he gained health back and so once he was in the city nuking lovi characters he was impossible to kill and it actually I, I believe this crashed some of the servers because you just had like the npcs were trying to attack him all the players were trying to attack him and the, like the servers just couldn't handle it and blizzard again had to like reset these servers to like and then, like, I, I think they had to patch it so, like, you couldn't, like, kite him into the towns. Not to force it or anything, but there's actually something to be said there about the propagation of vulnerabilities and techniques in the community. Because, um, similar to what you were saying about not knowing what's in the patch notes, we usually, when there's a patch from any of the major vendors, in the patch, there has to be code that corrects it but we might not have full details on exactly what the exploit was at the, at the time. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's a part of what the attack side does is reverse engineer what those patches do in order to, to mm -hmm. uh, try to discover the attack technique from them. And similar to the fact that there is kind of disconnected networks of, of, of information sharing on the attack side, those, that information does propagate, but it doesn't propagate, as quickly as you as, as the patch side stuff or a lot of our defensive stuff that can be done out in the open mm -hmm. yeah. can be so i mean there's there, there from from just a sheer information sharing side there's something to be learned and but i think kind of the biggest lesson for me was the fact that there will be a certain number of malicious actors and if something's virulent enough it's just going to spread because you can't keep the people who are going to do want to do malice down fast enough to stop them from causing uh asymmetric damage let's let's put it that way yeah it, it very much reminds me of the uh the quote from the dark knight uh when referencing the joker that some people just want to watch the world burn yes it's very very prevalent in mmos but also yeah prevalent in real life especially when it comes to like uh different exploits and stuff like that the moment you know a lot of people just catch wind of this um you know you're at the races at that point and yeah. just trying to patch it before and a major group has a, a group of people have like exploited it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always believed that people were more likely to do that in a less, in a lower consequence environment, like a video game. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's probably true, but it doesn't bring it to zero. I think that's been the the thing that really, that, that I really saw in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, after, after uh, this event happened, a few years went by and actually some top epidemiologists began to publish papers about this. There were tons of correlations between uh, users' virtual reactions to this blood plague and documented historical responses that epidemiologists uh, Ran Belker, Eric Lofgren, and Nina Pfefferman uh, wrote several papers on between all three of them, all within the same year, that strongly recommended researching the virtual world to help study and predict how humans could react and behave during events like that. Mm -hmm. You know, epidemiologists, they, they use complex uh, mathematical models to predict like how diseases are going to develop and spread across the globe. And they use that data to you know better uh, public health policies. Um, but 
these models don't account for how irrational humans can be. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, we are just all chaotic neutral. So they, and also you, you can't test these models yeah. because releasing a pathogen into the population just to see what happens is kind of unethical. Can you imagine the sim flu? You know, the, the developers just releasing a, a flu into the sims just to see what happens. Yeah. The... <laughs> well, I guess I've never played the sims. I don't know if people interact in the sims or. or... I don't know the newer ones. I know the old ones were basically, you were just like a, a god overlooking um, the characters you were creating and watching them go about their life. Well, okay. Then let's say Minecraft where I know that they can interact. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So the next best thing to these models um, or to releasing a pathogen in the actual world is using it in the virtual world. Uh, Balker mentioned in his study that there were both fascinating similarities between the corrupted blood and uh, the avian flu and SARS. Mm -hmm. In uh, the case of the bird flu, asymptomatic ducks spread the disease from East Asia to other parts of the world, much like the hunter pets did. Mm -hmm. In, in WoW, uh, teleportation um, from the instance to the cities kind of took place of airplanes in the real world, but yeah. they have exactly the same, the same uh, effects that can be studied. Airplanes might be worse because you, you, instead of having one infected person, you might have a plane load of infected people. That is true. And then once they land, you're dispersing more than one infected person. Yeah, you, you, you get kind of a, a, a super infection event right at the point of transit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was just having a thought about the overreaction that regular people had on SARS especially, but, but uh, um, at least outside of the point of, of major infection. And I wonder if that's something that came up in any of, because like in SARS, it was something to be dealt with where they originally found it in, in, in Asia, but it didn't really propagate very much because controls were in place, but there were already people who were going into kind of full lockdown um, some small percentage of the population. Yeah. I, there's lots of interesting questions I'd have about how they saw that and whether or not better data would would let them model some of the smaller like subpopulation behaviors that that I think that we saw mm. now and we've seen in previous things that are kind of that are really hard for us to measure. We only get them anecdotally in um in the real world. I think it was uh, Pfefferman also like they did they did work with Blizzard to try to like model uh, virtual pandemics in uh games and like do further research and data mm -hmm. and uh you know kind of figure out simulations but it'd be very interesting to like kind of under the hood without the player base knowing yeah. to like just kind of throw these things out there just to see how players react to it and how how, how it affects the uh the virtual world and then just kind of chalk it up as like oh no our bad like we accidentally did this but you know did it with a purpose i mean the thought that i was having is is you have a plague that basically just turns your avatar a tint of green. And there's some random mechanism for spreading it as a, mm -hmm. as a, here's a relatively benign virus, or at least presents as relatively benign, but could have longer term effects and see what people do. Um, it wouldn't have a game mechanic effect. It would only be a cosmetic effect, but it would be interesting to see how people react to that and change their behaviors. Yeah, it'd be interesting because, like, that would not have the same effect as something like this because there's a lot of trolling behavior. Yeah. Because, you know, it's online. 
so people take a lot of glee in basically ruining the experience of other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there'd be that to a lesser degree, I think, because if you have a set of people that don't want to get the green tint, you will have a set of people, mm-hmm. a smaller set of people who are actively, who are actively yeah, trying to subvert to their, mm-hmm. their, their desires. Exactly. So important behaviors uh, were displayed in WoW, including uh, players putting themselves at risk by running to heal weaker players only to get themselves infected. And on the flip side, you know, the other players enjoying infecting as many people as possible. And then there was another thing that Pfefferman uh, referred to as the stupid factor, as she called it, uh, where players would log in just to take a quick look at the uh, epidemic raging and all the hysteria it was causing, just for curiosity's sake, and then found themselves contracting the plague and spreading it to other people. And she said that's something, you know, that's actually very present in real epidemics as well. Mathematical models don't account for journalists, public health researchers, just random average Joes um, who just tend to get closer than they should. That's a real human behavior problem, Mm -hmm. which is that you may be taking a 10% risk, but you'll inch up on it for the first few times and nothing happens. And, you know, your brain moves the boundary to a more risky spot because... We're humans. We got to touch the hot stove. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time, just in car accidents where people rubbernecking. And they got to see what happened, and one time out of ten, it causes like another accident yep. to occur because they were not paying attention. Mm-hmm. It's the curiosity. So all this, all this research was initially done in 2015, mm-hmm. and obviously, like we said, it just so happens the world just went through its own basically corrupted <laughs> blood event, and so. This research was done in 2015, just looking back on this. And now people are going back again to do more research based off of COVID and everything that we saw. And there was another fun uh, wow event uh, that I, I remembered. I wasn't there um, for this pre-launch event, but uh, just before Wrath of the Lich King, um, Blizzard implemented this thing where infected uh, grain sacks would show up in the cities. And if you touched them, you would get a disease placed on you that would turn you into a zombie. When you were a zombie, you could actively attack other players and infect them with the zombie disease. And while like you could, you could cleanse disease off of people um, before they turned into a zombie, I can't remember because I wasn't there, but I feel like if you killed people as a zombie, they came back as a zombie. And this was another like people have complained about this all the time that it was just, you couldn't get anything done. It's just like players, like if you went to a city, like you were just actively nuked by a horde of zombies and they were like killing all the NPCs that you could talk to and everything like that. And it was just a huge pain in the butt. In fact, they reinstituted this zombie um, outbreak just before the last uh, World of Warcraft uh, um, expansion Shadowlands. But it was, it was in a much more like kind of phased approach mm-hmm. where like the zombies didn't do much damage and it was very hard to even become a zombie. And actually a lot of players complained about this as well because they were like, oh, you took away the fun of like <laughs> murdering an entire city and like kind of like ruining. You can't you know, win for losing. It. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, uh, that's World of Warcraft and all its crazy uh, epidemics that went on. So the other story I have is uh, takes place in space. Are you familiar with EVE Online? Yes, I have played spreadsheets in space. Probably a little too much. <laughs> yeah, my my one friend tried to get me into it. Uh, 
initially. He, play, he played a lot of it. And I remember him demonstrating the game to me. I was like, so, like, you don't actually play the game. Like, you just, you, you sit there and you you mine stuff or, like, you know, yeah, it's just spreadsheets and filling out stuff. Well, I, I did a lot of ratting and mission running stuff because... I've learned some things about game design. And one of them is that sometimes the most profitable thing isn't the fun thing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually write that, this down, but CCP is the company behind Elon line. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was a major um, part of the GDP for Iceland um, was this one game. I can believe it that Iceland's a small company, a country, and that company was bringing yeah. in a lot of international money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, are you probably not familiar with a uh, person named Gigax um, from Eve Online? No, I don't recall. <laughs> okay, so uh, Gigax ran a uh, very large corporation called Circle of Two, called CO2 mm. for short. And in 2017, at 5 a.m., he picked up a phone call, and that basically changed his entire life. So he he had missed a few text messages from another um, subordinate from his online corporation in Eve. And when he picked up the phone call, this guy was panicking like crazy, saying, uh, the judge is transferring all of our citadels. Uh, they're taking everything. And when he logged into the game, he found utter chaos. His alliance, CO2, was having uh, all the space stations transferred into the hands of former allies. Uh, their entire treasure trove of blueprints had been plundered along with all of their bank accounts. Everything had just been ransacked. And on top of this, two huge armies had begun to siege their main space station. And in the span of the hour, this company had lost literally everything. So it's Eve. That kind of thing can happen very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, in fact, one of the reasons for this happening was that it had happened in the past to another corporation. And, Oh, I'll get I'll get to that part. Um, CO2 was one of the largest alliances in the online or in uh, Eve at this time. Thousands of players rallied under its banders, and it waged you know intergalactic corporate warfare for control of star systems. And Gigix was the leader of this corporation, and he was fairly infamous amongst uh, the community as basically basically being brutal and uncompromising. Mm-hmm. So another person, the judge had said that two years prior to all these events unfolding, this entire plan had had begun to like uh, undermine Gigax and like basically pull the carpet out from underneath him. And the judge was uh, a circle of two CO2's head diplomat. And he was also a member of Eve's council of interstellar interstellar management, which I didn't, I didn't even know was a thing, but it's a group of player elected representatives who actually travel to CCP's headquarters in Iceland several times a year and lobby the developers. We did know about that, yeah. That's crazy to me, because I've never been in, in an MMO where like there were player-elected officials that could interface with the devs. Like We, we have like YouTube celebrities yeah. like for WoW and for Final Fantasy that do that occasionally, but they don't actively go out to like Blizzard's headquarters and talk yeah. to them. The economy and player base is such a big deal in there, and they, have, they actually have a built-in system for for basically buying in-game currency for real money pretty much always have yeah yeah, uh, isk yeah so there's real money or at least real value in there in fact uh, i also know that they have an economist a chief economist specifically around for dealing with the eve economy i mean Mm -hmm. i never did much of anything i was in i was flying cheap ships 
and a fringe corporation of an alliance for a not very long period of time. So even if this happened while I was on totally above my pay grade, never saw any of this. Yeah. Exactly what my friend was doing. Like basically like you guys were like the Walmart slash like assembly line workers and just like completely away from all these like bigger mechanizations of uh, the corporation. Yeah. They, my corporation only had me around because I was a really good utility player. I could, I could fly a very wide variety of ships and was willing to show up sometimes and willing to show up. <laughs> That's basically, it's like, but you could make all this one. Like, I don't want to play spreadsheets in space. I want to shoot things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been in guilds in a while where the most important factor was that someone showed up and yeah. like, they were horrible players, but at least they came to the raid and yeah. were a body that could like shoot projectiles at the boss. So during one of these these summits in Iceland that the judge attended was when he decided to basically burn CO2 to the ground. He he saw Gigix, who was there as well, and how he was treated as like basically a demigod um, by the community, and he had absolutely no respect for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he 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 was power hungry and he he knew, you know, how people relied on him. So during these summits, like, you know, he would basically just be very brazen and kind of just trash talk people and no one could really say or do anything against him. So he had kind of cemented his position as, as uh king shit, apparently. Exactly. So a ref was another person involved in this. And, you know, one of the, one of the articles I was reading said that if there was an Illuminati in Eve, he would have been a card carrying member of this. Mm-hmm. He he didn't actively log into the game really at all. He more kind of was a behind the scenes person that was trying to orchestrate like he would orchestrate all these corporate takeovers and like um backstabbings and stuff like that <laughs> through like you know, like team speak and Discord. Yeah. And he said of Gigix uh that this individual was a raging narcissist maniac. Uh he would do whatever he wanted. And all it took to basically have him sick his entire fleet incorporation on you was to insult him in any manner or make him believe that you insulted him in any manner. Although, you know, Arath uh, did hold a major grudge against CO2 as his corporation had been the dominant corporation in the game for a long time before Gigix and his corporation betrayed him. So like you were saying, like this sort of stuff happened back and forth uh, constantly. Gigix was also uh, not making life easy for the judge the judge, you know, as a diplomat, was trying to maintain relationships with allies in the game. Mm-hmm. And Gigix seemed hell-bent on unraveling all of his hard work. In fact, at one point when he was flying to Iceland for one of these summits, he received a notice that Gigix has basically just actively started talking to other diplomats without the judge there to censor him. And was just going off on them saying all sorts of crazy things. This obviously irritated the judge and made him also feel, you know, completely powerless. It's yeah. Like when your boss just supersedes you and you know begins kind of talking out his ass on you know a topic that you're a specialist of yeah and this was actually all kind of part of the plan so for years Aerith and another member of his corporation had been grooming the judge as a potential mole <laughs> and see like they had noticed how dissatisfied he was and growing even more dissatisfied with gigax and they were hoping to turn him and use him and over a dinner meal with the CCP devs, actually, sitting across from the table from them, Aerith uh, convinced the judge to exact a more direct kind of vengeance against Gigix. 
the judge began to put his plans in motion at 10 a.m. in Australia. <clears throat> he had admin roles on TeamSpeak. And so what he was doing was he was sitting there watching uh, how long GX had been idling mm-hmm. and, you know, basically waiting for his opportunity to uh, spring into action. And he, he noticed, the, you know, he'd been recently active, kind of idled for a little bit, and he was basically waiting for him to go to bed. And once he saw that, he, he had been sitting in the AFK channel of this uh, TeamSpeak for the entire time, uh, just yeah. plotting and waiting. As soon as he saw Gigax go to bed, he invited a friend into his Discord server and gave him a step-by-step instruction uh, list of what he needed to do and told him to follow the instructions step-by-step in you know, the proper order. So starting, he plundered all the coffers of CO2, stealing as much as he could get access to, and then transferred control of all the smaller citadels to another alliance. After that, he transferred the main citadel into his own personal corporation. When he did this, all CO2 members who had been docked with their spaceships into this, yeah. the Citadel were, you know, they didn't notice anything was going along up until they left and then were immediately denied docking access back to the Citadel. Yes. And the other members that were trying to dock at the Citadel were suddenly denied access to their main Citadel, which housed around like 5,000 players. Yes. And it's important to note that those Citadels were out in millsec space. It's in an area where there's no... Uh, prevention there's no pvp prevention mechanisms having a place to go to shelter is really important mm-hmm. yeah and this was this was last on his list for an obvious reason that when members of the corporation were suddenly not able to dock this would raise red flags oh yeah and they would start <laughs> kind of messaging people and initially they thought it was a mistake someone had just kind of pressed the wrong button or something like that yeah and it, they, they began to understand the um, the extent of what was going on. Later, the judge handed the keys of the main citadel over to Aerith's corporation for 400 billion ISK, uh, combined with the assets that he took from the coffers. That was about 1.5 million ISK, or around $10,000 USD yeah. at the time. Which, you know, like you were saying, you could, you could buy ISK with real life money. I don't think there was a way to transfer it back the other way. Um, sort of. So the mechanism, is, the mechanism for buying is for real money mm-hmm. was to buy a 30-day pilot's license. Basically a, a, a one-month registration fee. You could buy that. So you pay your regular registration, but you could also buy for some amount of money. I think it's like 20 bucks one of those cards and those cards you can uh sell for isk in game yeah wow now has like game tokens you can buy and sell in the auction house i believe that blizzard got that model from from ccp yeah most of wow's ideas have been stolen from other mmos shock shock i tell you i mean i was completely <laughs> thrown off guard by the fact that the control system in wow was almost identical to what i had learned in dark ages of camelot um, yeah. but anyway yeah yeah Anyway, you know, we only steal from the best. Uh, but so those cards are a sink because people use them and then they're bought with ISK. Mm-hmm. So I would go and I'd buy a pilot, a, a pilot's license card or whatever they called it. And I would sell it on the open market for whatever the open market demanded. Right. Getting money back is kind of just a way of not spending money, assuming that you're not um, violating the terms of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is worth saying that just like every other MMO, there are ways of violating the terms of service. Um, and I believe that there is, all, that 
I recall, and I don't know if this has changed, but but there was also it was legal to sell characters. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that because yeah, like I mean, I have sold characters in the past. In fact, my first account yeah. on WoW was banned because of that. Yeah, I don't recall exactly the things, but you could transfer characters from account to account. Oh, okay. And whatnot. Um, huh. In fact, I should actually look into. Um, <laughs> Is Eve still, still still around? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's still around. I figured it was. I played a little bit of, of it nostalgia-wise when I was kind of, when none of the games that I had been playing, I didn't want to play them very much, and and, the, and, and nothing new was coming right. out. I, I went back to Eve for a month or two, and, mm-hmm. and the game's changed some, but I know that it's there's still an active player base, and the pilot's license card go for about half a billion-esque when I went back a year or two huh. ago. So like, it's not nothing. Oh, interesting. This, this was all the beginning uh, though. Aerith had planned all this out. Mm-hmm. And once all this started unraveling, he started his all out war with CO2. Basically the, the armies that were surrounding the Citadels were his and like members of his alliance. Oh yeah. Eking, eking their revenge out on uh, CO2. Cause everybody who, who's out there and can't get docked is just a sitting duck basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Gigax tried to revoke uh, the judge's roles um, for the corporation, but by this time it was way too yeah. late. Like he, the damage was yeah. done, and he lost his temper. Uh, he let his temper get the best of him, basically asking uh, members of the corporation to dox uh, the judge. Mm. And this was another trap. They they knew this was probably how he would react given his um, his temperament. So Aerith and the judge were actually streaming Alliance chat to Twitch as 2,000 u- viewers uh, looked on and watched just how Gigax um, basically treated his uh, corporation and fellow players. Yeah. And further on this, uh, he actually sent physical threats through Discord to the judge. And this was eventually what prompted uh, CCP to basically issue a permanent ban against him. I'm not saying you didn't deserve it because... There, were, there, were, there was uh, some outlash... Um, on Reddit and stuff like that, kind of like why why permanent ban, and um, you know CCP said that like their term like you know their rules are constantly evolving and they just saw the physical threat as just a a step too far. It's not necessarily that you will get banned for a credible physical threat, but I think that anytime you make one of those online, you should be you should expect that a, that a potential consequence is, is, is the full ban hammer. Yeah, and I, I think Giggs... At least. Yeah, he... Depending on how credible the threat is. You know, he, he kind of, I, I believe, kind of made terms with this and said, like, you know, well, I guess we'll see what else is out yeah. there. And I mean, you know, I, I was a little dick back in mm-hmm. the day when I played uh, online games. And so, you know, we, I think we, we all had anger management issues at some point. That's why we play so, video games. But yes, exactly. Like, yeah. So I'll, hopefully, you know, like the year, the years have been good to him, and he's kind of you know simmered down. And also, it helps too to sometimes I remember I invested way too much time in yeah. MMOs and kind of lost track of like real life and everything going on there. So it, it helps to sometimes be forcibly removed yeah. from this stuff and be able to take a step back and say, "Oh, holy crap, yeah, like." There's, there's more to life than this one game I was investing all of my time yeah. into. Yeah, I mean, I never had much in the way of hostility problems from games. Um, just being that step removed was never a, pro- a problem for me, even if even 
when I was a kid, I had a little bit of a temper problem in person, mm -hmm. but it is absolutely something that I've experienced. And I've seen a lot of people go down the wrong, kind of the wrong path or something that didn't, didn't give them what they wanted at it because getting really invested in a game can let you give into your worst instincts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's something also to be said that like a lot of the times that I have fallen into the rabbit hole of online games were during like major events in my life with like the death of people very close to me mm -hmm. and game games are a good escape especially like a game that has an active community mm -hmm. um, you can kind of get wrapped up in that and you know there have been multiple occasions um where like members of like uh, final fantasy link shells and guilds and wow have uh, passed away and members have like had active like funerals for those those people and um there was actually, I, I can't remember the particulars of it, but there was one kid, I think it was in his teens, but he had a degenerative uh, disease and had gone um, wow for Christmas or something and played a bunch of it. And eventually he passed and his guild hadn't known what actually happened. And his parents, he had left them his, um, his online account information and his password and his parents logged in and kind of saw exactly like how their mm -hmm. son, you know, he wasn't able to actively participate in the real world, right. despite like how they tried to encourage him. But in this world, he had like, you know, created his, his character. I think it was a hunter and had met these people and had these yeah. like, you know, actual friendships. And they, they saw that and actually invited these people to his funeral and uh, a vast majority of his guild showed up. I know another thing in Eve, there was a very well-known player, Vile Rat, who was actually killed in the Benghazi attack. Oh, really? Yes. And like when the attack was happening, he was like, hey, things are looking really, really sketchy out here. I obviously am paraphrasing, didn't do any research. Uh, right. And then, and he said, oh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I believe that they were, that, that the understanding that he came very quickly, like he, that, that um, that's how he was about to die. And that was a very big thing in the Eve community for uh right after the uh the benghazi attack jeez yeah yeah those are just a few of the stories of like all just the craziness that goes on in uh online games between a raging pandemic or like crazy corporate espionage like there's a lot of interesting stuff that can uh, happen in the world of uh in cyberspace yeah recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online Follow Hack the Gibbs 1 on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.